Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope that you're having a good week. There has been a lot going on in the Bravo universe. I feel like we are firing at all cylinders. We start out Sundays with Salt Lake City. Monday is Summer House. Tuesday is Jersey. Wednesday is OC. And Thursday is Miami. I mean, it's just like nonstop. I am finally caught up on The Real Housewives of Miami, and I will start covering it next week. And then two weeks from now, I'm going to do a bit of a deep dive into my thoughts um, binging the first three seasons and then also thoughts on season four. So yeah, I am obsessed, <laughs> just like everyone else. It just took me a little bit longer to get there. But I'm glad that I was able to watch the first few seasons because it did give me some context to the show that I feel is helping me understand some of the drama between the women now on season four. And speaking of drama, there has been a lot going down with regards to Erica Jane from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Earlier this week, her case was dismissed from a court in Illinois, uh, but Jay Adelson, who is the attorney that has been going after her and says that he thinks he can prove that she knew about Tom Girardi's alleged Ponzi scheme. Um, he is refiling in California, and so she is definitely not off the hook, despite whatever headlines you may be reading. You also probably saw in the headlines that she was ordered by a judge to hand over uh, diamond earrings that are worth $1.4 million. Oh my gosh, I just, it's hard for me to fathom jewelry being that expensive, but also now they have proof that these earrings were paid for from an account that was client money. So Tom Girardi wrote a check to a jeweler from an account that he was not supposed to be touching. And because of that, that's why the judge said you should hand it over. And I don't believe she necessarily handed it over, but she put it into some third party but regardless, I think the women on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills definitely have a lot of opinions about this. We've heard that there was some drama going on during their trip to, uh, I think it was Vail. And what I cannot get over is the clip I watched this week of Garcelle on The Real. And she, you know, Garcelle does not hold back on anything. She says it like it is, and she shares her opinions. And what I was shocked by was her co-hosts, um, Lonnie in particular, talking about how when Erica was at Garcelle's birthday party, and this was being filmed for the show, she went up to Lonnie and Adrian from The Real, and she said, you know, 
basically trying to proclaim her innocence to them. But Ben said, you know, the people that believe me the most, and then she pointed to her own skin and she said, they're not like this. Essentially insinuating to Lonnie and Adrian, who are black women, hey, like black people support me or or something is so awkward and weird and like why is she talking like this and why is she spending time at Garcelle's birthday talking to the women from this TV show and trying to get them on her side I think it's because she knows that they talk about her and they talk about whatever topics are going on and they'll talk about the real housewives of Beverly Hills and I don't know the more she talks about being innocent the more she looks guilty in my opinion. And speaking of people who are guilty, <laughs> um, and I know, you know, everyone deserves a fair trial, and I hope Jennifer Shaw gets hers. But I was talking to my friend who uh, was in town visiting, and she's a federal prosecutor. And I explained to her the situation on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, where Heather and Whitney in particular keep saying, you know, how would the feds know that Jen Shaw was at the beauty lab and laser parking lot? Someone must have tipped them off. And my friend just quit. She was just laughing. And she's like, yeah, we we track people's phones. We have all kinds of technology to do things. We know what texts they're sending. We know everything. So yeah, as long as a judge signs off on that wiretap or the phone tap, you know, they're able to track. And so I don't know. It's This is why it makes me frustrated to see Whitney trying to move storylines along and try and push narratives that are just so obviously false that it's like, why can't you should just be real? Just say what you're really thinking, which is I don't trust Meredith. Maybe she, you know, shared some information, but not that that's the reason that Jen Shaw got indicted, nor the reason that the indictment happened or, you know, the arrest was about to happen in the beauty lab and laser parking lot. Oh, man. Okay, so a few thoughts on Summer House. You guys know I love Summer House so much. I am still waiting for Luke to come. I miss him. I know he had some family stuff going on when filming first started, so he's going to be a bit delayed, but... I really am excited for him to show up. It was really interesting to see the conversation between Kyle and Amanda. It seemed as if they had had the conversation already off camera, and then they filmed it again on camera. But I don't think that made it any less real or meaningful. It was interesting to hear from Kyle how much pressure he feels he's under because he took out $4.2 million in loans to support Loverboy. And If the company goes belly up, he is on the hook for it. And then Amanda will be on the hook as well once they're married. And that pressure was getting to him and probably inadvertently let him to be drinking more the first weekend of the summer. And Amanda, understandably, is saying, okay, I understand you're under stress, but drinking can't be your release. And I think Kyle gets it, but also part of me worries he doesn't fully get it. And Amanda was able to articulate to him, you know, this isn't just about now. I'm worried about 
you know, what if when we're married and we have kids and you do things like this, I can't get a hold of your, you and you're drinking and you're alone. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with them. As for other potential couples in the house, it seems like Carl's into Sierra, but he doesn't just want to hook up. He wants a relationship, and he's trying to see if there's any there there, and I think he's realizing there's not, and not only is there not a whole lot (laughs) to Sierra, I guess, but also she's still interested in Austin, and he's just not interested in a love triangle. Of course, Paige is in a, I don't know if it's a triangle, a square at this point. She's got Andrea who's into her. She started dating Craig and Craig is sleeping with Kristen Cavallari. And (laughs) they had thought or she had thought that Kristen was sleeping with Austin. But if she thought that, wouldn't she tell Sierra? I don't know. This whole thing is is very messy. Um, I think Paige isn't upset that Craig is with someone else. I think she's upset that it makes her look stupid. And I think that's what she's trying to tell him on camera. And it goes into next week. But it was tough watching Craig get upset. And I think he when he gets upset, he says really mean things. And he tries to invalidate people's feelings. And so he's saying, you know, to Paige, if you let Lindsay get in your head, you're weaker than I thought. I mean, that's a really mean thing to say, as if Paige isn't entitled to her feelings about what happened. And, you know, you can tell he's very frustrated with Lindsay in general. And he's like, I'm sick of Lindsay being involved in my life. Lindsay sucks. She's always sucked. He also says that, you know, Austin sucks. And that's apparently his best friend. Lindsay's the biggest loser in the world. Her and Austin have been dating for four years while dating other people, you know, and telling Paige, you know better than this. And (laughs) Maya says, you know, he just gaslit the shit out of you. And I know that's a very popular term these days. People love to say guys are gaslighting or love bombing. But those are very particular terms. And I don't think this was a situation when Craig was gaslighting her. He was just completely invalidating her feelings and making her feel bad about her reaction. You know, I feel like gaslighting would be if... There was evidence that him and Kristen were sleeping together, and then he was like, no, there's there's no evidence. I didn't do that. It's when something, I think, is like fact, but you're making people question the, the reality. So I don't know. If people are experts on the term gaslighting, let me know if I'm correct with this one, because I'm not sure you can be gaslit about feelings, because no one knows exactly what someone else is feeling. But I could be wrong. Anyway, um, this week I am was on the Pink Shade podcast with Mary Payne talking about Bravo. So if you want to hear more of my thoughts on this week's Jersey and OC and Salt Lake, you know, give it a listen. Of course, if you guys enjoy the podcast, I would love for you to give this podcast a five-star rating and leave a kind review. As always, if you have constructive criticism, my DMs are open. You can reach me at Mandy Slutsker on Twitter and on Instagram. You know, I try not to read the reviews that often because if I get one negative one, it just... 
I spiral and I obsess over it. But someone said this week that, you know, I'm talk too much about Vanderpump rules in Summer House, which is fine. They're entitled to their opinion, but said it'd be nice if I had timestamps, which is great constructive criticism and helpful feedback. So I wish I would have gotten it in my DMs and I wish someone would have told me sooner because that's something that I can definitely add into the show notes. So starting this week, I will put timestamps as much as possible into my show notes. So hope you guys enjoy. Hope you have a wonderful week and going to take a quick break and then be back with my guest who I am so excited about. His name is Nick. He lives in Australia. He lived in New Zealand for 20 years. He was born in the Philippines and he has an Instagram handle that makes hilarious memes called Real Housewives Out of Context, RH Out of Context. And he has a partner who is, uh, was raised in the Mormon church, but in New Zealand. And so we spend a lot of time talking about that, about his experience with the Mormon church, with his in-laws who are actively Mormon, and just how that provided a bit of a backdrop to his viewing of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So I think you guys will really enjoy that conversation. So going to take a quick break and be back with Nick. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. I am here today with a guy named Nick who runs the Instagram account Real Housewives Out of Context, and he is joining us from down under the Gold Coast, Australia. How are you doing, Nick? I'm good. Thank you. So happy to be here. Good day. I am. I love your accent so much. Quick, um, I guess, trip through my history. So I was born in the Philippines, Southeast uh-huh. Asia. But when I moved to New Zealand at the age of 10, I dropped my Filipino accent within, I'd say, six months. I just really wanted to, like, fit in with all the kids. Um, And, like you said, I'm living in Australia at the moment, which is not the same as New Zealand for everyone there confuses to, or New Zealand's not part of Australia, clearing that up now. (laughs) Um, And even I have a very different accent to where i'm living now so this i i feel like i have a typical new zealand accent okay kiwi yeah kiwi (laughs) how did you get into watching these housewife shows if you spent a good chunk of your life in new zealand you were born in the philippines now you're in australia like how did this come to be so I discovered the housewives um, during my university years. It may not have been the most legal way to find <laughs> shows, if you get my drift. But um, I was looking for new shows to watch, and I came across this um, episode of New York, season three, The Reunion. So this was around 2010. 
And I had kind of seen Orange County just in the background. I've seen DVD covers and um, like DVD shops. So I was aware and I was aware that it was kind of a ripoff of Desperate Housewives. Like I remember the the cover artwork for Orange County and I'm like, okay, so that's obviously the Eva Longoria character and that was Jar because she was the mm-hmm. bring in. That's obviously the Felicity Hutton. That's obviously Terry Hatcher. So I was like, okay, that's a, interesting. But I didn't know they had expanded to other cities. And when I came across New York, I gave it a go because it was a reunion. And I was just fascinated, um, intrigued, and a little bit disgusted that those people would behave this way. But I wanted more. Right. And I think it was the episode where Bethany and Jill were really hashing out the differences. And Jill walked off the reunion. And they were just going at each other and all these accusations if you didn't want to film with me um and i was just like who are these people because i was when i was growing up in the philippines i was raised where wealth and rich and you know the whole world they're kind of the standard you aim for you don't behave well they act a certain way and seeing these quote-unquote rich women behaving badly is like oh this is good it's and i wanted more oh good <laughs> that is so interesting because like culturally in so many places you have this and in the US as well if you attain a certain level of wealth you need to like speak a certain way dress a certain way behave a certain way and then you have these people that attain this level level of wealth or make it seem as though they've attained yeah. that level and they're behaving terribly so yeah, yeah i never thought about it in in that way yeah, and I'm seeing a little bit of that um, in Heather in Orange County, which I know kind of zooming ahead a little bit, but she is obviously very, very wealthy and she holds herself to a very high standard and she doesn't get to the levels of like a Tamara who's just super messy or right. Vicky. You know, she holds herself to a very, uh, somewhat a rigid standard where she can be like a bit of a party trooper, but people would see that's quite classy. So it's, that's why I kind of find it interesting that she was even part of it to begin with. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, this whole thing. I mean, but there's something about her where, and all of these women, anyone that would choose to be on a show like this, I believe has a level of narcissism in them. 100%. Not necessarily like 100%. clinical or whatever, but, <laughs> you know, and I feel the same way about anyone that would run for president or become a senator. Like, you have to think you're the best And in order to attain that level, you know, and there's something narcissistic about it. So I think for her, it's a way to show off maybe or to gain more money by selling products. You know, it's never enough to have what you have. It It never is enough. Yeah. (laughs) So this week was the premiere of season 12 of The Real Housewives of New Jersey. Now, my listeners know that I have not seen the whole Uh, all of New Jersey all the way through. So I started watching around season eight, mainly season nine. And then uh, I'm going back and rewatching. So I don't have all of the history, but I can kind of figure it out. Where are you on Jersey? Is this one of your favorite franchises? Is it one that, you know, you started watching later? So I call where we're at with Housewives at the moment, my off season. Okay. We've got Orange County and I've got, we've got New Jersey, which I 
it's one of those things. I know the players, I know the game, but I don't closely follow it. Um, I did kind of watch Jersey from season two to about four or five. And that's when Melissa first came in. So that was the Melissa Kathy era. Mm-hmm. And for, I think for three seasons, they just did not change the cast. Um, it was very dark. It was very repetitive. Um, and it just did not hold my interest. This It was way too visceral for me to want to watch. So I I follow it through blogs, I follow it through recaps, and I follow it through obviously now all the accounts on Instagram, they're all post clips. I feel like I I know where everything is at, but it's not one that I watch regularly. Okay. And it's the same for OC. I feel like I love Jersey for the last okay. this is the fourth season with the same cast, and I feel like this cast is incredible they work so well they play off each other there's sort of not shifting alliances but unusual friendships people who didn't get along at one point now get along and i i find this cast to be top notch the other reason i'm liking jersey a lot is because with the arrival of covid they changed their season in which they film and i don't enjoy watching them in the winter i think you know, I, I live close enough to New Jersey and D.C. It's gray. It's not fun. There's no leaves on the trees. There's nothing to be desired. But watching them in the summer when they get to go to the Jersey Shore and they're wearing cute, you know, summer outfits, I love. And so I'm loving that they're filming during summer. Absolutely. I completely agree about the cast. So um, I did watch a little bit of last season. Um, and they I think they work really, really well. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I watched this episode and they had Tracy come in, Tracy Johnson, who's Tiki Baba's wife, I was like, we kind of don't need her. I feel like there's, uh, there's, there should be enough drama within the six people because there clearly is tension that could be, for lack of a better word, exploited. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think the producers and Bravo executives made that decision as well. Uh, I think Tracy is a friend of and not a full-time housewife. Now, I found it really interesting that she seemed to be using this platform of housewives to try and push a bit of revisionist history uh, about (laughs) her and Tiki. So she claimed that when his previous wife was eight weeks pregnant, they decided to separate. He then separately met her while she was an intern at NBC when he was working at NBC and they had this romance and they fell in love. But this story that he told Sports Illustrated in 2011 was basically alluding to the fact that she was the mistress and that he even hid in an attic with her at one point. So people didn't see Um, So what I thought was pretty dark is that Tracy had babysat his children that he had with his ex-wife before, I don't know, it's also, anyways, it's it's not as clean cut as she's making it seem. Is this a bit of a Carrie Duba from Dallas situation where she was the assistant to Mark, you know, 
we don't actually know what went on because everyone backtracked yeah. all of a sudden. So this could definitely um, be that. Now, one thing I, this is just why I remembered this story is because in Sports Illustrated during an interview, Tiki Barber talked about he was hiding out with Tracy in his agent Mark Lepselter's attic so that he wouldn't get caught. And he joked because he said Lep's Jewish, so it was like a reverse Anne Frank thing. And I remember that comment. (laughs) From when was this interview? uh, This was uh, in May 2011, Sports Illustrated. Yeah, you can't say that now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) What I find funny with that is it's in print. Like, you have it, obviously, you have it in front of you. So, like, what's the point of trying to change the narrative a bit, like change it up where it's in print. You know what I mean? You can't really, it's not just some gossip that's going around New Jersey. No, she made it seem as if it was like tabloids talked about, painted her as the mistress, but that wasn't the true story. But Tiki himself acknowledged hiding with her. So how I, Anyways, I don't like when people try and come on these shows with secrets they think they can keep and trying to paint a different picture of something that happened. It, it's, it never goes over well. And this is why, no. as much as I, you know, I'm not going to condone what Marge had done, which was she cheated on her husband with her now ex-husband with her current husband, Joe, and he cheated on his wife with her. At least she was honest about it. And she came and she owned everything. And in her book, she explains how the affair started and where it came from and, you know, how they knew they were really meant to be together. And and I don't know why other people can't just own their shit. Why why do you why do people come on these shows thinking they can keep secrets? Yeah. So obviously we've House has been around what sixteen, seventeen years now, when OC season sixteen. Yeah. And Keeping secrets and just trying to rewrite history has taken out some pretty great housewives. <laughs> well, yes. you know, um, um, obviously that's up to opinion, but someone like Adrian Malouf, for example, who could be could have been a great housewife, she was taken out because she had hit a secret that she didn't want out. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole Tamara train thing, there's a secret, um, there was a bit yeah. of rumor, a bit of gossip that took out a whole bunch of people, like, what makes you think that you're going to change the game all of a sudden? The game has been going on for 16, 17 years, right. and it's, it's you know, it will take you out. And that train thing was, like, a stupid, clearly not true rumor, whereas the Adrian Maloof stuff, I think she could have stayed on, but what she, she didn't show up to the reunion. Yeah. And... Uh, and I, I could understand why she she did that. But yeah, with Jennifer now, you know, she's on the show. She spent the last three seasons railing against Marge for her affair that she had with her now husband. And then we find out that Bill had an affair and a two year affair with someone. I mean, it, it was oh, what a mess. It makes sense to me mm-hmm. because obviously Jennifer would have been hurt by the affair. And when you see someone openly say, I was the other woman that went after a married or I haven't read her, Marge's books. I don't actually know how it all started, but you know, that 
went with a married man, mm-hmm. you would be a bit hurt. It's like the whole Brandy Glanville thing. She was devastated. She was hurt and she carried that hurt for so long. So I can understand if Jen had known, obviously for a while now, why she would be so anti-Marge on that um, yeah. on that topic. No, I, it, it all makes sense. She's very much projecting, but it's always interesting to me and we're seeing this on Summer House and in other places. Whenever you're upset with something that your partner did or that a potential partner did, people like to take it out on the other woman rather than the man. And Absolutely. I find that endlessly annoying because the person that you're in a partnership with is the one that messed up. Like, don't Absolutely. blame the yeah. other woman. I, I, you can blame them to some extent. But if you focus all of your attention on that, you're letting – you know, she and she, Jennifer, has been touting Bill as this amazing man and a perfect husband, and he's not. It doesn't mean he's a bad person, or you know, but he definitely, you know, strayed. But he's not perfect. He's yeah. not perfect, and she's definitely been pushing this, like, narrative, and I think that's why Marge, you know, called her out on it. Yeah. Now, we got to get into the Louis of it all. What do you think about Teresa's new relationship, how quickly she's moving, and the blending of the fl- families? Um, it's red flag central. <laughs> yes. But I think that Teresa has been through the ringer relationship-wise that it almost doesn't matter because he gives her everything that she thinks she needs Mm -hmm. I say thinks she needs because uh, I don't know it's like I don't think they're a good fit yeah I think that he's watched the show and obviously on the show he she has talked about what was lacking in her relationship and what didn't work and what worked and I think he's taken notes and he is acting on that He is. What I find interesting is that all of her daughters seem to be completely supporting her and like Louis, which is which is great. I'm glad that they like him. But I was shocked during the after show on Watch What Happens Live. Andy Cohen asked Teresa if her and Louis are getting a prenup. And she said, I don't think so. We haven't talked about it. And then Gia, who was the bartender, stepped in and was like, why would they need a prenup? And she said that she didn't like that her parents had one because her apparently Joe Judice had pressured Teresa to have a prenup about a week before the wedding. And she almost called off the wedding. Now, I, for the life of me, can't understand why Teresa, after seeing everything that happened with her divorce, like, why would you enter into a marriage again without protection? I think she's in the honeymoon phase of the relationship, obviously pre-marriage. Yeah. Um, she, is, she has got her blinders on. She, her love tank is full, to use Vicky's words. Um, <laughs> yes. And she is confident in that relationship, regardless of what's happened, because she thinks everything's different. You know, we, I guess we've all been in that, in that space where, we enter a relationship and everything's rosy. Um, everything's great. We're going to love this guy forever until death do us part. But she's got that extra added layer of going through that trauma of going to jail, which, you know, she 
did deserve because, mm-hmm. you know, she was guilty, but her husband put her through the ringer. And when you meet someone who's giving you everything that, you, that you're that missing, you are such a high from that that you think that it's just going to last forever. And yeah. I, that, I think that's why, why they're saying, well, we don't need a prenup because we're going to be forever. I know. So. It's just, it's so frustrating to see her do this. And then. Absolutely. What I find endlessly annoying is how Teresa's daughters continuously stand up for their father over and over again, almost at the detriment of their mom. Like this argument that they're having, especially Gia with their uncle, Joe Gorga, over what Joe said about Joe Judice on camera. They're angry about it. They want him to take it back. They don't think that their dad deserved it. Well, <laughs> I mean, you can love... This is where the immaturity kicks in for me. You can love your parent and still recognize their shortcomings. And that's something that we all learn as adults, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a huge part of growing up is realizing your parents aren't perfect. And they just, like, let it go. Their dad was kicked out of the country. He spent multiple years in federal prison for crimes he committed and said that he committed. So why are they so angry at Joe Gorga? I think it's that they don't think they, the, the parents did anything wrong. I remember watching in the intervening years um, when Teresa went away and Joe went away and the homecomings and everything. And the narrative that Joe Drew Dice keeps saying is, I felt like it was, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm I'm just pleading for this. I can go to jail. Mm -hmm. So when you kind of have that narrative in your bubble, even off camera, on camera, when that's all you kind of hear, then you kind of take your parents' side. Well, yes, they went to jail. Technically it was illegal, but it wasn't wrong. But they're not seeing what everyone from the outside is seeing. It's like, your mother went to, your parents went to jail. Like, that's not, you don't go to jail if you didn't do something wrong. Right. And, and, and they, I mean, they said that they did it. They they falsified documents. They filed fake tax returns. They did all kinds of stuff to get money from banks. And they were, you know, fraudulent. That was fraud. And I just don't see, and then, I don't know, Gia annoys the shit out of me. And I know people love her, and I know they grew up with watching her, but to me, she seems like someone who thinks she knows more than she does because she grew up on camera. And I'm sure there's a lot that she knows about, especially the dark side of social media and, you know, living in the public eye. She'll know more than I ever will. But she acts like she has this life experience that she does not yet have. And it's annoying. It really is, yeah. I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> like, housewives' kids, I, I, you know, some people say that they're obviously, some of them are off limits, especially when they're underage. Like, you don't talk about them, don't bring them up. But Gia is putting his, herself into this situation. So, and she, you know, she knows what it's like but leave leave that to the adults is <laughs> what well. yeah. i think she views herself as like the seventh housewife i think she does <laughs> you know and the way that she is just holding on to this like righteous anger like i will defend my dad and 
your dad put your mom in jail and it messed up your whole family and it ruined things for Joe Gorga's parents who were traumatized by what happened. And it took, you know, your mom away from her parents during their last years, especially the mom, you know? So, yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to go through the other folks and what's kind of going on with them. So with Dolores, Nothing's really happening. She's Frank redid her home, but it's unfinished. Both kids are moving back in with her. Dolores is adorable. Her kids are adorable. I love Dolores. Yeah. But there's nothing crazy. Um, Jackie and Marge are just gossiping about Teresa and Jennifer. And then Jennifer took the they only had a few weeks off between the end of uh, the reunion for season 11 and when they started filming season 12. It wasn't very long in between. But Jennifer (laughs) travels to Turkey, visits family, and gets her nose and chin done by a plastic surgeon whom she met on Instagram. (laughs) Can you just imagine saying that sentence... 17 years ago when Housewives first started. Like, it's insane. I'm just going to go to Turkey. So if someone's made on social media, it's going to do my nose. Just, what the hell? Where where are we? Where are we? And the craziest part is her husband's a plastic surgeon. So if your husband's not going to do this procedure on you, why would you get it done? I... I kind of understand not wanting my husband to touch my face. That's the thing. Because, like, um, Adrian and drugged about it in season one of Beverly Hills where uh. obviously Paul's a plastic surgeon and she's like no she's not touching my face because what if he's having a bad day with me and my eyebrows gonna be all the way to my hairline like <laughs> you know, like don't touch my face like, but- like that part I understand but the whole social media thing yeah. like meeting someone through social media and just and go flying halfway across the world I mean okay she was already there but it's yeah it's not something I would do <laughs> I I just can't get over it, it, the whole thing. And then the nose doesn't even look good. I mean, maybe she'll, like, figure it out and maybe some swelling will go down. But she looked great before. She did look great before. Um, It's funny because from my experience, I think people want to get rid of, like, the nub at the end of their nose. But she got, it seemed like she ended up getting one because they shaved the, the ridge off. So it looks like it's a bit of a nub where it was just like a straight line down before, like a straight slope. Yeah. So I'm like, that's an interesting choice. But if she's happy with it, good for her. It's not something I would do. <laughs> and I would probably have told her, like, don't do it. But it's her money is her face. <laughs> you know, I say this as a Jewish woman. <laughs> not every nose is meant to to be a button nose and not every nose needs to turn up at the end you know yeah. some noses can curve down and they're fine and they're beautiful and they're perfectly fine exactly right? so why i don't know this like certain type of nose is viewed as like the best kind and i don't think it looks good on most people if no. you're not born yeah. with a nose like that, it's not like the making it thinner, like what Melissa Gorga did, or getting rid of a bump like Kyle Richards did. It's completely changing the whole thing, and it looks weird on her face. Yeah. I should stop uh, touching yeah. so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, that's just part of Housewives, you know? It the- is. Okay. Any other thoughts on Jersey before we head to Salt Lake? Because I have so many questions for you. 
I think that I'm going to like the season of Jersey. So I watched Ultimate Girls Trip. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, like I said, I really wasn't like a big fan of Jersey. I did not like Teresa. I thought she was a monster, especially to her sister, her family and her friends. And then I watched the first episode of Girls Trip when it, when it came out. And she said, I'm actually a nice person. Something along the lines of, I'm actually a nice person. People just keep coming for me. And that's when I react. But I'm actually like a nice, sweet person. And I'm like, sure. And then I got not all diamonds and rosé arrive in the mail. And I read the Jersey chapter and I'm like, oh, okay. She says the same thing. I'm like, when I, then when I went back to the beginning of Jersey and I'm like, no, she actually is just like a ditzy, nice person. Every time she's had a massive outburst is because people do attack her. So I'm like, okay, this is, I'm seeing her through some different eyes. So I'm coming into this season of Jersey with a different perspective on who the players are. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see where I'm at the end of it. <laughs> That's a great point because I feel like I appreciate her a lot more after Girls Trip and I feel like I get a better sense of her personality. I think she's a hopeless romantic. I think she's an optimist uh, yeah. to a fault. And I, I, what I didn't like about her was how much control she seemed to have over the other women on the show basically the show couldn't exist without her and everyone was afraid to get on her bad side. And that doesn't make for an interesting television show if there's one person that no one can question. But I think people start questioning her more and of course she reacts, but everyone gets questioned. All the rest of them get questioned. Look at what Dolores went through with her boyfriend David and they're all like, that's a fake relationship or it's not going anywhere and People but you said that you got a car. <laughs> yeah, Jackie yeah. and her husband and the the stupid rumor from last season, like all of it, everyone. So so why is she off limits? And everyone's always afraid yeah. to make her mad. And that is annoying to watch for me. But yeah, no, I absolutely. Don't think this season will be like that. This is why um, I know that obviously Caroline Manzo is kind of problematic now because of the whole Dina and mm-hmm. brother-in-law writing a letter and his support and all that. But this is where her value is is she checks Teresa. She's not afraid to to go up against her and be like, no, you're wrong. And that's what I kind of miss. Like you said, like no one's, everyone's afraid to go up against Teresa, but you know, unchecked power is just not fun. It's not fun to watch. And I feel like that a little bit on the OC with Heather, how no one wants to like get on her bad side. And that (laughs) that is just, just, if you have something to say to her, say it. Like, she can yeah. handle it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, okay. Salt Lake. So Salt Lake City. You told me, you know, when we first started chatting, that your partner grew up in the Mormon church in yes. New Zealand. Yes. Tell me, like, what's your what was his experience like? What? Or her experience? <laughs> his. Yes, it is. So... Spoiler alert, I'm gay. Um, (laughs) That that kind of plays into his experience, actually. So um, prior to the relationship, I knew nothing about the LDS church, uh, the Mormon church. I knew, I literally, I think the only thing I knew is plural marriage. This, I didn't know they had missionaries. I didn't know, yeah. I didn't know anything about the Book of Mormon, none of that. And then I met my partner, um, 
at that time that he we met, he was going through quite a bit of struggle with his, his identity because my understanding of it is that the church is a big part of who you are. Yeah. It's, it's very Heather Gay where I am a human and I'm a Mormon. Well, maybe Mormon is even first. I'm a Mormon, then I'm a human, then I'm a man, then I'm gay. So that's kind of the order of things. So he was struggling because LGBT and Mormonism don't mix. It really, I mean, LGBT and religion just doesn't mix in general. But what Heather said about her being worse than a murderer, I think, and she can't get into heaven because she got divorced. That's the same. That's where we sit, LGBT people, in the hierarchy of it. Like, I would be hanging out with Ted Bundy, not being able to get into heaven. God. That, that is where we sit. And to come to that realize, to kind of try to a, suppress who you really are and come up against that rhetoric over and over again, even to your adult years, was hard for him, he said. So um, he said that he's run away from the church quite a few times and he's come back, run away, come back. And his last running away, quote unquote, was when he moved here to Australia, actually here on the Gold Coast. Um, when he's like, you know what? It is what it is. I'm gay. And I'm just going to have to find my relationship, what my relationship with the church is with that. And that's when we met. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. So are there a lot of Mormons in New Zealand? Um, I would... Look, my experience is because I'm a, around a lot of them, so it seems to me like there are a lot, but I don't okay. think there are too many. Um, I've gone to church with him and his parents. He, like he, his relationship with the church now is non-existent. He has cut. He has made a stand saying, "I this is just not for me." Okay. Um, but his parents are still members of the church. I think because he's one of seven siblings one is still semi-active in the church. Like her family, her husband, her kids are still semi-active. Actually, our nephew, her daughter, his son, just came back from his mission. Okay. So there's still a branch that's active, but literally everybody else is like, we're non-active. So I've gone to church with his parents. Like to me, it's not a big deal because I myself am not religious, even though like I went to Catholic school, my parents are sort of religious, but it doesn't take anything away from me. And it makes my in-laws happy. I have a great relationship with my in-laws, considering they're part of a church that is anti-LGBT. A great relationship. So that's amazing. And so how do they, I guess, do they are like, okay, when I'm here, I'm with the church and I'm with my son and my son-in-law, that's where I am and I love them. And how do they try and reconcile or do they just not try to do that mental gymnastics? I think they don't try. Okay. I think for my mother-in-law it's a bit harder because she was converted into the church. She was baptized into the church, like Lisa Barlow. Um, Whereas my father-in-law was born into it, like my partner. So for her, what I found is people that were converted into it seemed to go a little bit harder for the church where it's, they're a bit more devout. I'm not sure if that's true for everyone, but that's just been my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially with my mother-in-law, she's like, I'm a mother first. 
first and foremost, I'm a mother. So, but. It's like Lisa Barlow. Love that. Love that. (laughs) Um, So my partner likes to poke the dragon, so to speak, where they would, he would get into these debates with my mother-in-law where like, if and when we get married, will you be there? Because that's against the church. And she'd be like, I'm, I will be there because you're my son and I love you. Then my partner will be like, but you don't support us. You don't believe in it. You know, we're going to hell and all that. And I'm like, leave your mum alone. Like, stop making her cry. <laughs> she's like, he's, he's like, you're meant to be on my side. I'm like, look, I'm not going to challenge her beliefs. I mm-hmm. love her for who she is. And she loves me for, I believe she loves me for who I am. So that part, I'm just not going to go. I do ask questions. And I try to phrase it as respectfully as possible. Because obviously there's a lot of questions about like the history. Um, it's been compared to a cult, obviously. Yeah. And that kind of question I don't ask my in-laws. I ask my partner there and we've discussed the history of the church in that sense. But I'm respectful that I won't ask those questions to my in-laws. Because mm-hmm. I don't want it to seem like I'm trying to destroy the church. <laughs> How do you feel like Mormonism is portrayed on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? And like, how close does it feel to the type of Mormonism you've experienced in your like actual life? So I got my mother-in-law into Salt Lake City. Into this only, yeah, no, I got her into <laughs> it. Because um, the whole Mormon thing is kind of like, oh, let, let's see what let's it's like. Let's see what this is like my experience is very different to what it is on housewives and we've kind of come to the conclusion that the closer you are to the epicenter of something the stronger it is obviously like an earthquake right and since you're in salt lake city the epicenter of mormonism their beliefs um their reactions to things are so much stronger than what it is for normal people on the outside like normal Mormons on the outside of that circle. So when Heather's like, you know, in tears about getting divorced, I don't know who I am anymore. And she has such that strong tie to Mormonism. I have not experienced anyone like that, but I think that's just the culture of Salt Lake City, like Mormons in Salt Lake City. Um, When Jen said that, because he's obviously Polynesian. My partner's Polynesian. He's a mix of Polynesians. Not the same as Jane, but it's a mix. Um, when she said that in Salt Lake City, I am Black because they don't know any better. My father-in-law's sister married someone from Salt Lake City and they lived in Salt Lake City for 10 years. And I asked her that. I'm like, oh, auntie, I heard that Polynesians are considered as Black. And I'm like, yeah, no, they are because they don't know any better. And she said she faced quite a bit of racism i mean this was like late 90s early 2000s so it might be different now but she's like no i struggled there because they saw me as as obviously an outsider yeah now i never questioned that jen faced racism i think she has faced a lot uh what i think is interesting that she seems to try to from what i hear from my black friends sort of co-opt the experience of a black woman when she has her own experience as a Polynesian woman, you yeah. know? So and Leah, I, I see that. I totally see that. Um, and then obviously the reason she left the church was um, the treatment of black members, specifically black men in the seventies around that time um, where they weren't able to reach kind of the higher ends of the church. Mm-hmm. And 
this is one of those things I just I know about and I talk about it with my partner. We talk about it, we research, we watch videos. Because I really, I've come, like I said, I came into this like a blank slate, know nothing. And it doesn't make sense to me. If you're a church, why would you do that? So I've had to learn why that was. It's not right in any situation, but Mm -hmm. it's not something I would discuss with my in-laws as well, because it's such a hot button topic. Right. No, it's... I mean, the only reason I know about it is from the musical Book of Mormon, when they're like, in one of the songs, it's like, in 1978, God changed his mind about black people. And it's like, what? You know, but everything that they say, it has truth to it in that musical when, you know, they talk about that the Garden of Eden was in Jackson County, Missouri, Whereas I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So let me tell you a story about that musical. So when we were living in Melbourne, we were moving back to New Zealand. So it was our last night in Melbourne and Book of Mormon was in town. And my, my partner was like, let's, let's go. I, I'm in a place now where I can watch it. It's fine. I know what the music says. We've had the soundtrack. I've been singing along to it. It's all good. We'll be fine. We get to the theatre and it's already a bad experience because we were sitting up in the circle and then a woman like 10 rows back yells out, yells out to my partner, take your hat off. Cause he was wearing a baseball hat. Mm. He'll take your hat off. And he is the kind of person he doesn't like to be called out. Doesn't like the spotlight on him. Mm-hmm. And he's the only one wearing a hat. So I'm like, who is she talking to? So he was already in a bad mood. And then we go through the musical and we get to an intermission. It's like, let's go. I can't, I can't, I can't do this oh. because even though, he knows what the material is. He didn't experience the material with a crowd that doesn't know what the material is and thinks it's all a joke or ha ha. Oh, that's funny. I'm hearing it. And it's funny because it's all presented as being funny and music, you know, music and everything. So it's like, no, people just don't actually understand what the significance of what they're saying is. So when they, when someone says, you know, the garden of Eden is this and this and this, that means something to someone who was in the church and to put that into context of ha ha it's a joke without any explanation of what that actually mm-hmm. means he found that hard and that was like i said 2016 yeah. so since then he has said no i'm fully ready so we'll see we'll see I, i'll see if i get to finish the musical <laughs> i don't i do think there's something about like are we laughing together or are you laughing at me or yeah. my religion or my history, I I would have a very difficult time if there was, especially if it was, I don't know if Trey Parker and Matt Stone were born to the Mormon religion or what. I have not found any, because they, they do talk about a lot of inside church knowledge kind of thing. Um, so I, I, have, I have not found any sort of evidence that um, they were part of the church. I and mean, maybe they just like know someone who is, or they're just great researchers. So then that's like hard because it's like, okay, so it's outsiders joking about this group, you know? Yeah. It's inter- yeah. it's a really interesting point, you know? Uh, and I, I don't know how I would feel if like as a Jew, there was a whole musical joking about things that weren't, you know, jokes written by Jews for Jews, you know? Yeah. And my partner's pointed that pointed that out to me. Like, you don't see musicals about Catholics. You don't see musicals about Islam. You know, that 
even though you can you can take the sense, oh, it's loving because they're talking about all these things and you're educating the people. I'm like, well, no, it's not. Um, so, but he says he's ready to watch it now. So we'll see. So how do they, they just feel, and I'm saying they, your partner and his family, family. feel like watching <laughs> the Real Housewives of Salt Lake, everyone is a bit more intense in Salt Lake than they are outside that are Mormon, which I've, you know, heard this directly. I One of the girls I went to high school with was Mormon, but she wanted to go to BYU in Idaho rather than BYU in Utah because she said it was like less rigid and less intense. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I, I just never thought about that. Like, like, like the Catholic Church would be a lot more intense in the Vatican. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Than what it is, obviously, in like other parts of the world where some people take liberties with the rules. Um, but it's one of the, yeah, it's just a lot stronger in Women's Center because it's just, and I think Lisa pointed it out when they went skiing in season one, but we judge each other. Yeah. And that, it, there, that I think is prevalent just all throughout. There's just a, there's a judgment thing. Um, but the judgment is stronger the closer you get to, to the middle. That makes sense. And as human yeah. beings, we all judge each other. You know, everyone yeah. is, is doing it. We're, we're judging these housewives watching their show, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> um, now, I want to get your thoughts on just this week's episode. So okay. <laughs> were you shocked by Lisa and Heather sort of finding some common ground? No, because they're going to pay to do it. That's true. <laughs> um, why do you think Whitney won't let go the idea that Meredith had something to do with Jen Shaw's arrest? I don't know. It's not her... <laughs> No one knows! <laughs> Is it because of the whole Mary thing? I don't know. I think that she doesn't trust that Meredith is sharing everything. And so she's trying to find like holes in Meredith's stories. But to focus on her father's memorial seems to be the wrong place to try yeah. and poke a hole. Absolutely. It's so... It's so personal. It's such a low blow. It's so yeah. nasty. Um, okay, I don't want to really talk about Jenny because I'm. I. Do you mind if I just have? Oh yes. the floor for a little bit. Go no, ahead. well, I was excited in the beginning of season one that we're having a Southeast Asian housewife because, spoiler alert, Asian is not just the one thing across if the whole of. Asia, obviously. Um, so obviously we had Crystal, we had um, Tiffany, they're both Chinese, they're both North, North Asian. So it was, it was exciting for me to get a Southeast Asian housewife. I'm like, yeah. yay, some of the closer to my experience. Um, she was a little bit boring, but I feel like in these situations where bringing someone in it is harder for them to crack, obviously, that circle, even though they've been friends for 10 years, whatever. Um, so she was a little bit boring. I didn't believe that whole um, sister-wife storyline because I think that just all came up because of Utah, because of the whole sister-wife thing. I don't know. Um, and why would you put yourself through that? And then the whole thing with Mary calling her, say, if you have beautiful slanted eyes, I was obviously on her side. I'm like, that is something that has been used against Asians 
for years, if not centuries. The whole slanted ice is made to feel as made. Sorry, it's been made to make us feel different mm-hmm. from everybody else, right? Um, so I I was on her side completely agreed with oh, her at the time. Yeah. And then I feel like she lost lost the argument when her post came up, and I'm just like why 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 can't we just have, can't, why can't we have something nice <laughs> um, oh, I so I have a question too a couple questions but one is so I've heard from a couple people saying Mary was trying to compliment her on her eyes and yeah. didn't realize it was something that was sensitive and not a thing you should say I mean how do you react to that I'm of two minds because on one side, we're living in 2021, 2022. How do you not know that is not the right thing to say? Like, you know what I mean? It's it's so... I would be offended if someone said that to me. But then I would take them aside and be like, look, it's not right. But at the same time, I can understand how Mary is just not bright enough to know. If or that kind of makes sense. Or she's just not around <laughs> Asian people. So if exactly, you're not yes. around, you know, Asian people, like if people aren't around Jews, they don't know, like you shouldn't say certain things or you shouldn't yeah. joke about certain things. You know, they just don't get it necessarily. So if you don't have yeah. a very diverse group of people that you spend time with, I'm, you know, it's just like, yeah, you don't want to tell yeah. a black woman that they're being aggressive when no. there's clearly another term you could use for their behavior or Absolutely. that kind of thing. So I kind of viewed it in that in that sense. But yeah. with Jenny, I was excited because she was a refugee and there's very few. Uh, I think maybe there's going to be a, a refugee housewife from Serbia on Beverly Hills? I think, on Beverly Hills. Yeah. But she, that hasn't happened yet. And my father is a refugee from the Soviet Union. I oh. thought it would be really interesting to kind of hear that perspective, the immigrant story, which is it's different than just other immigrants. It's like you were fleeing a place that didn't want you where it was dangerous for you to live. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, and, and that it just broke my heart when she when all this stuff came out about her racism, it's like, oh, God, you know, like, I feel like as someone who's like a religious and ethnic minority, like, we all need to band together. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Against like, like white supremacy. Why? Why buy into this crap? Why? why? You know? Yeah. And there is like, sadly, there is racism within the Asian community against darker skinned people and specifically black people mm-hmm. unfortunately there is and um why did i have to pick the one that falls into that like, <laughs> like just why couldn't they find oh. a different yeah no i know and it's it's it always sucks right when it's someone yeah. from like your group or your community like siggy flicker terrible representation of jews oh, <laughs> and, and <Colleen laughs> margaret anti-semitic i mean awful awful yeah but you know, it's it's tough. Um, yeah. I'm glad we got to get so, into yeah. that. Do you think that Mary, when she's saying later in the episode that she doesn't like Jenny, do you think Mary sensed the racism coming from Jenny? I think so. The yeah. reason I say that is because I've seen a lot of 
a housewives accounts run by black creators like mm-hmm. Taria, who yeah. um, kind of introduced us, who said, I spotted it from the beginning. Right. right? Now, they know the behaviors with all those my little microaggressions. They recognize it from the beginning. They know it. I obviously have not gone through that experience. So I would not have picked all that up, what Jenny was doing. So I wouldn't have known. I thought she was just a normal person. So Mary would probably have been, probably, I mean, obviously we don't know. I do not want to enter the mind of Mary Cosby. I don't even want to go <laughs> it's there. kind of a frightening but, place. But I would hazard a guess that she would have experienced something like that before and she would know. But it's hard to call out in a group of white women. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. It's it's such a complicated and it tough really thing. Is. And it's now they're yeah. neither of them are on the show. And it's like, oh, this was supposed to be the show with more diversity than the others. You know, starting I'm out. I'm hoping more, Mary comes back. I you, hope she does. You do? Yeah. I want answers on the whole church thing. Okay. If you give me five more minutes, sorry. Oh, That's all yes. I remember when the whole thing, um, Mary, Mary, the whole Mary thing came out before season one even started. Like I've heard about it through the blogs and all this sort of stuff. I am not one of those people that would be comfortable calling it a cult. Even though, look, it could be, but I don't know. Enough, to perfectly honest, I don't know enough about her church. So I'm, I'm really just going off what I've read, but I see religion as something very personal, like even though I'm not religious myself, where a lot of people hold on to their religion as an anchor for their life or else they'll spin out of control. Mm-hmm. And to label someone's faith that they hold on to to ground themselves a cult, it's a big, it's a big claim. Yeah. You know, like like even I would rather say that her church is problematic. Like the, like the Mormon church is problematic. I am not an authority on cults. So I'm not comfortable saying it is, but these people like to throw it at, like the woman on the show like to throw it around like it's nothing. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's, do. thank and you for they, my TED talk. No, I think that's a really important point. Also, the as if calling it a cult automatically makes you understand the inner workings of it. I think Absolutely. Mary herself is problematic. I don't know much about that church, but I do know that Mary berates people. She apparently sends like very awful text messages to the castmates telling them they're fat, they're ugly, you know, they're horrible. And that is an awful, abusive type of behavior that we've seen from Jen Shaw. And so yeah. to have someone like Mary, who's the leader of a faith community, behaving that way it's i don't think it's anyone jarring. should behave that way but it's very jarring if it's someone that's you know she's kind of at one point during this episode she was like what did she say i when, like why are you treating me like i can't i can't come back when you come after me because i'm a person of god sort of a thing oh uh, yes at the dinner table and it's yeah. like no you actually you're supposed aren't <laughs> didn't Jesus say turn the other cheek? I don't know much about what Jesus said, but yes. <laughs> are you supposed to be hot like held to a different standard? I hold religious leaders to a different standard. I hold oh, politicians this- to a different standard than I hold just Joe Schmo. Uh, you know that you, your average person. It's it's different. You're saying I am representing a faith community. 
And I know I would be livid if a rabbi that I followed behaved that way. It's like how, what? You're behaving in exactly the opposite way that we're trying to encourage. Yeah. And I think that's why people are so quick to um, judge her whole church in general because they only really know her. Her, The only people that have experienced her church are Whitney and Meredith, who, I mean, Whitney, again, jumping on that whole narrative, but she obviously has something against Mary. So they're the only ones that would be able to say for sure what goes on in that church, even though it's once or twice. You know what I mean? Right. Mary, oh my God. And when, um, so they sit down at this dinner and it's a Cinco de Mayo party that Jen Shaw jokes is an honor of Mary calling her Mexican thug. Um, <laughs> but M- Mary's just being such an asshole at this dinner when Heather is trying to point out something about Jenny and she says, well, Jenny's husband helped, you know, pitch in for this. And uh, Mary goes, well, you don't have one. Like so, <laughs> she's trying that to that came out of left field. Well, she's like trying where to was hurt. that even? She says things to hurt people, and yeah. I think hurt people hurt people. And I do believe that she has been the victim of some abuse of some kind, and that I believe that she then uses that and that makes her abuse others. But to watch it happen to Heather, like that's such a nasty thing to say. And you're like, if you don't like Jenny, and you say, you know what, like she makes me feel some type of way, I'm not cool with her. Fine. But why yeah. go after people who are questioning you and constantly trying to say the thing that will hurt the most or that you think will hurt the most? Yeah. Um, okay, let's get to... I mean, there's just so much going on at this dinner. That was a packed episode. I, mean, I don't even know, know how to go through all of it. It's uh, basically Mary tells Jenny she doesn't like her. The others, I'm not the friend for you. I'm not the friend. As Heather would say. <laughs> uh and then Whitney is, you know, trying to call out Meredith. You exude leading with love and kindness, but Mary doesn't. You know, asking Mary, how can you be a faith leader and treat us this way? But the real kind of culmination at the end of this episode is Lisa absolutely losing her mind in a, a – she goes into a bathroom, closes the door, and is, like, screaming about Meredith with this hot mic moment. And I have to get your thoughts on it. Okay. So Lisa is just pissed that no one is having her back, especially Meredith, who's supposed to be her friend. And I don't know if it was Whitney saying, oh, but look at Meredith, you have this friend of 10 years next to you. And I don't know what it was, but Lisa snapped. And this is what she says. (laughs) Oh, I'm excited for this dramatic reading. Okay. I am fucking done. Meredith can go fuck herself. I'm done with her because I'm not a fucking whore and I don't cheat on my husband. Her and her dumb fucking family that poses. Why don't you own a house? Wait, you can't because your husband changes job every five minutes. Meredith is a piece of shit. I have your back. I'm offended by that. Fuck you, that fucking piece of garbage whore. I fucking hate her. She's a whore. She's a she's fucked half New York. She can go fuck herself. Here, you can have your mic back. People are going to use that as an audition monologue for years to come. I can just imagine. So good. It is so from, like, the depths of her being. She's so much vitriol towards Meredith. I had no idea that was in her. You know, I had no idea that was in her. 
I remember talking to Taria about this when I was on her podcast, where they say that they've been friends for 10 years. But what is a, fr- like, housewife's friend and real life friend is two different things. You know what I mean? So housewife's friend is, oh, we know each other. We've talked, maybe have had coffee once in a while, over 10 years. But we've been, in the show, it'd be like, you can't say that. We've been friends for 10 years. Or I've known her for 10 years. So... I mean, it doesn't surprise me that they're not as close as they say they are, but where is this coming from? What does she know? What does Lisa know? What does she know? I think, you know, Meredith has said before that she, you know, she doesn't live in in Park City full time. And so she was only there part of the year. And so she would see Lisa when she was there, but that wasn't her primary residence And they weren't together like 12 months out of the year, right? Yeah. And so she knew Lisa, but then when she didn't really know her around other people. And then when you see someone like that around other people, it sometimes changes how you view them. And I think that's a bit of what happened. But I mean, what does, I don't know. I also have to get your take on... Candace from the Real Housewives of Potomac had said it was, you know, really triggering for her to watch this, like, Lisa, this white woman, get to be angry, and everyone's celebrating Applauding it. her. Yeah. And when Candace gets really angry and shows her anger and says mean things, like what Lisa said, people tear her down and say she should be off the show, and how dare you do that, and that kind of a thing. I mean, do you have any thoughts on... I've been thinking about it a lot since she said that. Yeah. That's a very good observation. I haven't seen her say that. So, um, but it's a very good observation, actually, because that is. I feel like that's true. And I feel like my feelings towards Candace have kind of changed between season five and season six of Atomic, um, where it's a very Teresa thing where people poke her and then she explodes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Candace is a nice, lovely young lady, um, but they know what gets a reaction. Mm-hmm. And that reaction is going to be the centerpiece of the episode of the season or whatever. Um, so they know what to do to get a reaction. And when the explosion happens, then there's all fireworks, it's already in. But no one really thinks about the person that's being poked and how she's coming off. And that's going to shape people's perception of her throughout this whole time. Because this Lisa Bala thing is once, it's like once in two seasons. Mm-hmm. Whereas once they knew what happened with Candace and then how she reacts, they've done it over like three or four seasons now, where they keep attacking her and then she responds. And they're like, oh, no, you're too low. You're a monster. And obviously the same for Teresa, they keep poking her. Um, not to bring her up, but it's the same for the first season of Kelly Dodd, mm-hmm. where they were like, oh, let's get her drunk and let's antagonize her. And then she explodes and she becomes this hot, drunk mess that calls everybody the C word. Um, I feel like it's a very cheap tactic to do that. Um, but no, I completely agree with her, with Candace where... Lisa's being celebrated. I saw on my timeline, iconic. Um, what was the other word? Legendary. <laughs> like, this is straight after the episode. I'm like, it's a hot mic moment. It wouldn't have even made the episode. You know what I mean? It's not even yeah. on camera. She doesn't have the ball to do it on camera. 
that's uh, that's maybe part of it though like as the audience when you say something to someone else's face it's easier to feel bad for the person yeah. who's being yelled at right if she had done this to meredith's face I don't think the audience would react the same way. Um, and so Candace often does say mean things to people's face with the intention of hurting them. Sometimes almost she, I think she would claim as much as she gets hurt, but yeah. other outside people say you went lower than the person who poked you. Why yeah. go lower? Why can't you just go back equally? <laughs> and yeah. and I think not everyone views her as going too low yeah i think what i like about Candace is she's very creative with what she says and i'm like oh i'm learning a new word today with word <laughs> of the day with candace dillard so um yeah i look my my view on her has changed i am more towards pro candace now um whereas it, admittedly when the whole thing with monique happened i'm like well she poked the bear so oh. maybe she shouldn't have done that. So interesting. But... No, I, I always find it so fascinating <laughs> people's take on that because I had a completely different reaction. Yeah, I don't. You know, obviously, don't condone violence, and I've had the hindsight now where, yeah, and she keeps getting poked, and this is this is what you get when you get poked. Right. She will come lash out, and the thing is, you already know that. So why would you even go there over and over and over again? So Right. But part of it, you could also make the argument, okay, she needs to learn how to control how she reacts when she does get poked. If she's going to be yeah. on a show where people poke each other. Yeah. You know what That's I mean? True. That's true. That's true. Like, she knew what she signed up for. Yeah. Part, especially after, you know, the first or second season. I'm not saying she signed up to get beat down by Monique. That no, was no, no, way no. beyond. But... In general, when I think sometimes the audience reacts to when they see her say things that they feel are just below the belt, like don't go as far as you're going. And I felt like Brandy Glanville would do that. You know, Absolutely. like she would get feel like she was attacked and she would go back like so much harder. And the audience is like, why did you go that hard? on what this, you know, going after Adrian Maloof, like yeah. for what, you know? So I think sometimes that's the thing with Candace, but I love being able to view these women as like full characters where you like them. Sometimes you don't like them. Other times you like some behavior, you dislike some behavior, but you appreciate them on the show. And yeah. I feel that way about most housewives, you know, Absolutely. there's very few. I'm like, get them off the show. And it seems like people in housewives, social media love to take teams. Like, are you team Candace team? Like, I don't, sometimes I'm team Candace. Sometimes I think she's full of shit, you know? <laughs> And I, I wish more people watched it like that. I, no, absolutely. I'm, like, I like Meredith and Lisa on this show. I, you know, I find them both to be compelling people. Yeah. There's, they offer something different to each other. And I, I want to watch it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so coming back a little bit to Candace, she's obviously kind of implying, without obviously explicitly saying, that there's a difference between how she was treated and how Lisa was treated. Oh, because she's of, very because much of, because of race. Right. Yeah. And I look, I feel like the bar is much lower for Black women. Yes. To be called angry, aggressive, to be torn down. I mean, Garcelle said something 
cute and shady. And she was like, you're angry. Everyone's like, you're an angry person. Why did you say that to my face? That bar is that low. And obviously there was a talk about colorism last season. Yes. Of thing. And I, as someone who's not black, spoiler alert, I'm not black, <laughs> but um, as someone who's not black, I, I see it as an audience member that no, definitely someone like Giselle, who is shady as hell and, you know, goes and attacks people. She is not held to the same angry, quote unquote, standard as Candace. Mm -hmm. By the audience. By the audience. Yeah. That's, that's what I feel like was missing from that conversation was the audience. It's how the audience treats Ashley versus Candace, how the audience, you know, treats Giselle versus Wendy. I feel like the that was the thing that I didn't hear them saying. So I was like, yeah. wait, what are, <laughs> are they all talking about the same thing? Because I think the way Ashley, when she was saying, I don't think there's colorism on the show, I think she was, I, I had taken it as she was saying, I don't think we treat each other differently. But yeah. That's not the conversation. That's not the conversation, no. Right, and okay. <laughs> it's the whole thing about privilege is you don't actually know you have the privilege. So someone, yeah. like Ken, someone like Giselle or Ashley or Robin wouldn't may not necessarily know they have the privilege of saying things a certain way because of the color of the skin as opposed mm-hmm. to someone who's like Candace because Candace would get it straight away. But if so, if Giselle had said it, it may not be so. Sorry, we took a detour, but oh, no, um, I love detours. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so back to Salt Lake. Anything kind of final thoughts on this week's episode? On maybe what you think about the future of Lisa and Meredith's friendship? I think if history is anything to go by, which is other past housewives, they will come back together. Um, it may not be as hunky dory as it was before, but <laughs> I feel like they will come back together because uh, m- probably because of necessity when they've pissed everybody else off, they only have each other. And like I said, they get paid to, to hang out with each other. So um, look, last season one, you saw Lisa and Heather hang out sometimes season two, you'd seen the same, but when, the, when they got to the reunion of season one, they were like at each other's throats. So I think these people are not close enough that it's going to matter what what Lisa had said. Mm-hmm. There will be they will they will in, they will find a way back to each other, if not for convenience. I don't know. If, well, maybe I don't know what I think. I think for a while, Meredith will yeah. not be on good terms with Lisa. Um, if Meredith says one more time, "Don't invite me to an event because Lisa Barlow's there," I will lose it because you are not the center of the show well some people would argue with she is but you're not you cannot have a show with just you so with just Meredith. so you do not get to dictate who gets to be invited to something that's not your event so right yeah oh man okay shall we take a trip down to cabo with the ladies of the oc let's do it (laughs) okay that dinner that they had at the very like beginning of the episode where it's picking up from last last week it seems yeah. like it's very hot they're drinking you've got noella not eating but drinking and it's i could not figure out what was happening at this dinner but there was a lot of energy 
right? There like, was a lot of energy, yeah. I wrote, I just wrote down, everyone drinks too much and goes off the rails. Emily and Gina tell Noella to take it down a notch, but she doesn't know how. And then Emily and Gina pretend to meditate when Noella talks. <laughs> That's all I wrote down. I thought that was funny. I thought that was funny. Um, obviously, Noella didn't. Um, and that kind of set everybody off. But I thought it was funny. Yeah, no. That's something oh, I would man. do with my best friend if we're on a table and be like, someone's being a mess. Being like, oh, okay, just me and you, me and you, just ourselves, we're going to meditate. That's something I would do. So, what do you think of Noella as a housewife? Her. Okay, you love her as a housewife. I think she. Everybody calls her thirsty. Everybody calls her desperate. But aren't all housewives thirsty and desperate? That's why they're on the show to begin with. Like, hey, that's a good point. Um, is she going a little bit too much? Possibly, but I like her. She brings the the level of pettiness that I am looking for in Housewives. That's why I'm kind of enjoying. She's to me one of the bright sparks in OC, um, because she is so petty about the whole. You tagged me in a picture <laughs> that, that was wasn't so even funny. well lit. Like that is the kind of feud that I want from my housewives. So yeah, she is she's <laughs> something else. I feel like there are times where I find her very compelling and very watchable and then there's other times where I feel like she's doing too much and it feels very cringe. And yeah. it's gotten more towards the cringe end for me this last episode. And part of it is also uncomfortable like we're watching her during a very volatile time in her personal life and it seems like she's not eating and she seems to be sort of wasting away on camera she looks so uncomfortably thin to me and then I was thinking that and then as I was thinking that we see her in the sweat lodge and completely pass out and anyone could pass out in a sweat lodge right but I really think she's not doing well (laughs) and that's it's also hard to watch that you know? Yeah, absolutely. Trying to judge or say it's wrong or whatever. I know a lot of people when they're stressed can't eat and things like that, but it's just uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Um, I think it may have been on your podcast or maybe it was Taria's own podcast. Um, when she had said, I wish I could go back to watching housewives like I did before with Mm. And for me, what that means is not, not knowing what's going on in the outside world, not knowing how, you know, obviously she did a lot on social media to do with her divorce and she's calling out her husband and all that. If I, if I feel like if I didn't know how messy she was and how thirsty she was on social media, I would love her so much more because, because you're right. She comes off as coming in with this prepackaged storyline of I'm going to get divorced and all this. And it just, it can come off as a bit try hard and a bit th- too thirsty. And I feel like if I just didn't know all the extra stuff, I would enjoy it. She's much more enjoyable like when she has control of her faculties. Because Absolutely. she's planning what she's going to say. She's being witty. She's being snarky. But when she gets drunk and messy and upset, it's like she loses the plot. Yeah, And then she's just kind of all over the place and it feels like a mess and it feels like something I almost shouldn't be watching. Absolutely. It's like, oh, like, so, like someone gather her. She'll look away. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. Um, 
What were your thoughts on Dr. Jen and Shannon being strung along to view Heather's potential land that she wants to build on and to see a house that could potentially serve as a model to the home that she's going to build? Jeez. Um, that was, I think, strategic to bring Shannon along, just to say, just to say I'm the top dog. I'm the one with the money. I'm the one who's calling the shots here. And Dr. Jane was just the last spare housewife, so they had to take her. So it just was so. They're just that. That's just what I think of. It Jane, felt so. tacky. It felt tacky yeah. to be talking about the money part of it. Yeah, in front of everyone. I but I, I also feel like she was like, "Hey, you guys brought me on to be rich." <laughs> You know, so in her defense, yeah. that she's like, I'm giving what you guys asked for, but I don't know. It was just, it felt so. Again, there's a lot of cringe on the OC. There's a lot of cringe, and I feel like Heather has cringe by showing too much of her wealth in a way that feels tacky, and then Noella yeah. is cringe in just her <laughs> her behavior in general <laughs> when she gets. Um, uh, two out of it. Okay, Dr. Jen, it's so interesting to find out that she's got this bone tumor that was removed and then she had bone cement put in and basically if she doesn't exercise every day, she's in very severe pain. That was tough to watch her cry and then call her husband and ask for empathy and he just seems incapable of giving it. Yeah. Like, What do you think we're going to see with her and her husband in the coming weeks? Oh, I would never wish it upon anyone, but I think that's going to be marital trouble. They're going to show marital troubles. So I, we've been through so much of it. It's just never, it never feels good. It doesn't, ma- doesn't matter how many marriages we've seen fall apart. It doesn't matter how bad they are for each other. It just never feels good, especially when there's kids involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not compelled with Dr. Jen. Um I find her to be very blah, very background. Like they, they just added a sixth housewife because five, just not enough. That's how I feel. Um, but in saying that with the whole, what I like about some of the, these women that I find is that they obviously have these, some of them have medical conditions that may affect other people. And I want to see that journey. Mm-hmm. And I do want to know more about what she's going through, but it's, I feel like it's either she, she's not compelling enough or the editing is not working to her favor. I think it might be the editing because I've, it also might be where she's at in her life. Like if yeah. we had seen her with like a positive view and then after a few seasons, we're seeing her struggle, we're more bought in to her story, yeah. but we're, kind of getting basically this like intense struggle from her with her marriage, with balancing her family and her work life, like her seemingly being unable to balance things in general. It it seems um, kind of like a lot for one season in terms of negative. Yeah. You know, there there isn't really a lot of positives to take away from that, except possibly for the husband not wearing a shirt. But <laughs> no offense to him, but when Jenny in Salt Lake City said he you're hot from the neck down, I'm like, that always comes up when I look at Ryan. And he <laughs> yeah. changed his name from Ryan to Ryan. It's so Oh, my <laughs> God. I, I, 
that that whole marriage doesn't make sense to me. And I don't know. It's like I want to usually when you see someone and then you see them fighting, you're bought in already on their relationship. And I feel like but with both Noella and Dr. Jen, it's like I don't feel bought in on any of their relationships because I don't feel like they just came on. I don't know their husbands. I don't know their backstories. And I'm supposed to care that they're having marriage troubles. Yeah, this one is. Yeah, um, it's like what Bethany said, where you, you came on to get divorced. You, yeah. She was talking about Jules in season yeah. eight, which is you came on to get divorced. And I think that's what we're seeing with Noella. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, although I don't think Noella wanted to get divorced. What else would she have to do? It's a very cynical to, way to look at it. Like I said, I love Noella, but... I think she thought that she was going to showcase this amazing life with her husband on the show. And she was going to be this like fabulous, messy housewife. I don't think she anticipated him pulling the rug out and saying, oh, I only want to be portrayed a certain way. You can't talk about my tax lien. You can't talk about my business, you know, that kind of stuff. And I don't think she thought that he would just get up and leave. I don't think she thought that that was coming. I think uh, she was shocked by how quickly he flipped as soon as there was the chance that the story was negative around him. Yeah. You know? So this is where the whole, like, not looking at social media would come in. Because I'll be like, oh, I would not think. I'll be like, oh, my God, she's so vulnerable. She's, you know, falling apart. I hate the husband. How dare him? But just, Yeah. I need to think about how I watch my housewives. I need to rethink it. I feel like it's, we're all these like detectives and we're finding out, oh, what did production do? What did, what are the other housewives explaining? What was cut out that we didn't see? What, we're like playing these detective games. I mean, even with the Lisa Barlow, you know, quote unquote hot mic moment, she claims that she turned her mic off and that they got her with a boom mic. I see that because when she threw the mic, you can still hear it. So I understand, like, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. But it's like we're all trying to. Boom. <laughs> we're all trying to play detective all the time, you know, and it's it's exhausting, but it's also like endlessly interesting. Um, yeah. So the kind of final argument <laughs> during uh, the OC was Heather telling Noella that she had gifted her 17-year-old daughter pornography. And. What she meant by pornography was this card game that had a lot of inappropriate sexual terms and stuff on it. What, how did you feel like, were you shocked by Noella trying to like, how Noella reacted? What would, <laughs> I don't know, if you what kids, I have what done. would you have done, you know? Um, I think Heather is Karen enough to not know the difference between pornography and cards against humanity. Like, I think she there was an honest mistake on her part. Like, when Heather said, you gave my child pornography when it was, you know. Wait, an, I have a question. Isn't, yeah. isn't pornography, it's not just, like, explicit videos. You could have pornographic magazines, pornographic books. Like, are, isn't pornography, is it, does it have to be visual? Okay. I didn't. So maybe I'm looking at it from a traditional, yeah, <laughs> quote unquote pornography. No, you're right, you're right. Because um, because Noelle was like, wait, when did I do that? 
you know, so I was kind of there with him and like, that's not porn, that's a game. But no, you're right. Yeah, sorry. Or she um, could say like pornographic game or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But so, I, I understood where I think Heather was going in her head, but I also could see why others were like, no, that's not porn. Yeah. You know? So I was back and forth, back and forth with that whole um, um, argument because there was there was a time where like, obviously my view on pornography was a little bit different. And I'm like, that's not porn. How dare you say porn? This is trying to point her a certain way. This is like, you know, Atlanta season nine all over again. It's not the same. And then on the other end of it, I just wish she would acknowledge that she did that it was inappropriate. And I'm like, just say that it was wrong. You didn't read the card. And I think that's just, that's what Heather was looking for. And I'm like, just say it because it was inappropriate. You like she, the, we had to get to the point where Heather was reading out these cards, and Noelle was like, "Oh, damn, that is inappropriate," you know. Yeah, I, it's so interesting that I feel like Noella sees red when it comes to Heather. She's so, and she just hates her. And it's even when Heather is in the right, she like doesn't want to give her that. No, and it's it's kind of like, could you just take a step back? I know you don't like Heather, but. <laughs> Like uh, just, some, just yeah. Sometimes I think she's looking for things with Heather that aren't there, like disses that she thinks Heather is making that I don't think Heather really is. I don't think Heather is giving Noelle a whole lot of thought, and I think Noelle no. is nonstop talk thinking about Heather. No. All right. So, any other thoughts on the OC? How you're feeling about this revamp? I think that Heather on her own was not enough because it's so unbalanced to me. Um, it's like, how do I put this? Heather is a great supporting character. Heather and her money is a great supporting character. When you have some someone like Tamara and Vicky to balance her out and she's just like the snotty little friend that comes along, says something snotty and goes on her merry way. And there's, when she's the lead, for me, it doesn't work. And there's really no one that can go up against her. And she, like you say, everyone is so scared of her. I don't understand why. Like Shannon was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm like, Shannon, like it's calm down, calm down. I think so, it's because Shannon knows that Heather could sue her just into bankruptcy. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, it's just... I, I liked the first episode when um, Heather first came back. I'm like, yay, it's new. And then everything, for me, it went downhill after that. Yeah, I feel uh, like yeah. this is a revamp year. And I think they need to figure out the cast so that there is more balance with Heather. And I don't know if that means bringing Tamara back or, I don't know. I famously hated Tamara for a very long time and just thought that <laughs> she was sort of my Candace, like where I thought she just went too low and was too nasty and I just had trouble swallowing her as a housewife. Yeah. But now looking back, maybe she kept things moving. <laughs> <laughs> I would love Megan King to come back. She has stories to tell. <laughs> she does. And now that she's free from Jim, it could be interesting. Yeah. And she had that two month yeah. marriage to Joe Biden's. <laughs> a <nephew>. Biden. <laughs> I don't know. I would love that. I, I think she's going to stick yeah. out in St. Louis for the for the future. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Nick, so much for joining. Tell everyone where they can find you. 
Um, you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at RH out of context. Um, the name Real Housewives out of context was already taken and I wasn't going to fight for it. So, um, and I make gifts off the episodes. So you can find me where all you can, you can find good gifts like Tumblr, Tenor, Giphy. So yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining and I'll have to have you back on and Thanks for taking time out of your day. And I just I love talking to like Housewives fans outside the US and just think you provided a very fresh and interesting perspective. And thank you for sharing so much about your partner and his family and your experience with Mormonism, um, you know, in New Zealand and in Australia. Thank you so much for having me. It's, um, I love your podcast. Um, you. So it was a bit surreal being on it. And I just want to give a shout out to Taria from What Else Is Going On who connected us. Yeah. So thank you to her. Um, shout out yeah. to Taria all the time because she's like the person the I'm time. always texting about these shows. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to come back, um, especially when you you caught up with Miami. Let's let's talk about that. Like I said, it's my favorite at the moment. Um, I'd love to see what you think about it. Yes. Well, we'll definitely DM about that for sure. Yeah. Okay, I will talk to you soon.